welcome to the Vital Health Podcast. I'm Jodie Duval and I'm a functional naturopath in Perth, WA. This is a place where you can expand your knowledge on how to optimise your health and realise your full potential. We'll have cutting edge information with expert guests and having lots of fun along the way. Get ready to be empowered and motivated to reach your higher vitality and find your ultimate potential. Let's go. Today I had Anna Simons on the podcast and Anna is a tough woman with a smile like sunshine. She has a 20 year rugby career and she works as the director of education with Oregon based East Fork Cultivars and Athletes for Care. And she is an incredible advocate for cannabis and athletes. So today we dive into all about cannabis, how it became a part of Anna's life. We talk about being a professional sportswoman. We also talk about Anna's numerous injuries and how cannabis has supported that. We also talk about um, personal use and how it changes perspective and also looking at the future um, and, and cannabis and where we're lying with that in terms of therapeutic support. So who is Anna Simons? Anna Simons is a Chief Communications Officer for Eastport Cultivars and directs their Cannabis Class Free Educational Program. She holds an MA in Communication and has served on the Oregon Cannabis Commission's Research Leadership Subcommittee. Anna serves as an ambassador for the Non-Profits Athlete for Care, Last Prisoner Project and the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Anna is also a USA Rugby Women's Premier League rugby player. She spearheaded a petition to the World Anti-Doping Agency and signed, signed by more than 200 former athletes to remove THC from its prohibited substance list. She's incredible and we really hope you enjoy. Hi Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show and I really appreciate your time today and I'm very excited to talk to you about all things sport, cannabis and particularly rugby. <laughs> thank you so much for having me and likewise, we're, we're meeting up across the ocean. Yeah, it's pretty incredible that we can do this, um, you know, a little bit later for you and a little bit earlier for me, but we do it. <laughs> Definitely. So... We'll dive straight in and um, get started. Now, I, I must say to the audience, and when you see, you know, you know when we can see the, the YouTube video, um, you'll, you'll know what I mean. But when I first saw Anna, I saw a beautiful, sunshiny, like a tough woman with a sunshine smile. That's how I saw you immediately. And so <laughs> I'm like, how does this woman play like one of the roughest sports around? Because... I surely wouldn't be, um, you know, on the field at all, and I would probably be crying within a couple of minutes. <laughs> well, I will tell you that I do have a broken wrist right now. You can see my cast here. So there, broke broke it about a week ago in a sevens tournament. So <laughs> there are there are uh, costs to competing, but um, yeah. And, I, and I, I definitely want to dive into your multiples of injuries over the years because that's something that fascinates me too and your recovery more so uh, and how that comes out. So that would be yep. wonderful. But firstly, tell me a little bit about your career and it's, it's over two decades. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Well, so, um, yeah, I started playing when I was 19. I'd been a soccer player all my life and then I got to college and I, had transferred schools and started playing for the soccer team at the new school and didn't really like the program. You know, people weren't very nice. The coach wasn't very nice. Teammates weren't very nice, but the rugby team was really cool. I was hanging out with them. 
And eventually they convinced me to quit soccer and, and try rugby. But once I tried rugby, it was amazing. And it just, you know, captured my heart and ran away with it. It's just such a passionate sport full of um, creativity and camaraderie and the opportunity to really sort of express yourself um, as well as to be aggressive, which for women, we don't have that opportunity in society all that often. So um, yeah, I just, I just fell in love with it. And um, so I started playing in college, uh, university for your Australians. And then, um, then I moved to Portland, Oregon, where I started playing women's club. And uh, before that, though, I did play a season in Sydney uh, in 2003 for the Rats or Warringah. And we won that year. Um, yeah, so it was the first, first time that um, the Rats won the premiership on the women's team. And so that was really exciting. I also broke my leg in the semifinal. <laughs> so there was a bit of a, some dues paid there. But um, so that was really exciting for me to play in Australia. And I still have dear, dear friends in Sydney. Um, and then I've been playing in Portland, you know, for about almost, uh, I guess now it would be a little bit of math in my head, uh, 17 years. But of course, COVID kind of knocked out the past year. Yeah. Um, and our, our team there is in the Women's Premier League. So we play, it's the top 10 teams in the country and, or sorry, 12, top 12 teams now. <laughs> and so we have to, you know, geography wise, we have to fly to our games um, and, and fundraise for the team all the time because, you know, women's sport doesn't get the same kind of funding. So there's a lot to it, but it's been amazing you know it's been wonderful and it's given me all of these magical moments in my life yeah that's incredible coming back on to the funding and the support I didn't it, it I, I knew that but it didn't sort of come straight up and hit me in the face until you said that that women's sport is that is that for most um, areas of sports for women um it overall yes um, there are some areas where women professional athletes are getting paid more um, than others, uh, just depending on the sport and the region. But if you look at in Australia, for example, the, um, the women's super W rugby union, those players aren't paid, but they're the, you know, they're the Waratahs women. And so, you know, or for example, I mean, the other, other teams as well, but um it's so people have an idea of professional and we are held to those standards, but oftentimes we're making up the difference in the background as well as trying to perform at that level and, and putting all of our time and life energy into that. Um, whereas for other sports, the women are getting paid um, in a more substantial way. Like I believe um, AFL in Australia, the, the, um, the women's players do get paid. Well, and then, you know, and you see in the U.S. things like the WNBA, yes, they get paid. Is it on par with what the NBA gets? Not at all, you know, and then women's soccer, yes, they get paid. But rugby is kind of where women's soccer was 20 years ago or something where, you know, I think they won the World Cup in, in the 90s, the USA uh, team, and I think they got paid $500 each or something. <laughs> no, and so, and so same thing for a lot of our national teams um, for women's rugby and such, even that then, you know, if it's not sevens, if it's not the Olympics, then the teams are always fundraising. They're always kind of paying their way. And yeah. um, of 
course at the club level, same thing. So it's a whole nother layer. It is, it is when you think about it. And I was over in, in London for some time living and that the, 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 the soccer over there and the amount of money in that sport that blew my mind with how much the players are getting paid there, you know, the male players. So yeah, that, that's, that's quite sad actually. <laughs> Same with research. Um, scientific research is not very strong with women on women, you know, versus men. So it's, um, yeah, we need to change this. This is, this is not good. <laughs> All right. So back, back to your career, how did then cannabis become a part of that? Because that's what we're here to talk about, obviously to talk about you and your injuries, which I'm fascinated about. <laughs> Sorry, your pain, my pleasure. <laughs> um, how did cannabis become a part of your life in terms of you know, your career? Where did, that, where did that slot in? Yeah, well, I had um, used cannabis for, you know, you could say recreational purposes since I was like a teenager, a, young teenager, you know, you try things out. And so I had definitely used it and knew what it felt like and that kind of thing. But it was something I associated with, with fun times and friends. Mm -hmm. um, and then as I got older, <laughs> oh, and I should also say too, um, it was very, very discouraged as well. Like, you know, as an athlete, like when I got to high school, and I was a competitive soccer player and then, you know, I ran track and stuff mm -hmm. and the message from coaches and just socially was very much like, that's a drug. Don't do that. Like only druggies smoke pot, you know, <laughs> it was very much like you couldn't, you couldn't possibly be an athlete and take that seriously and then entertain the idea of doing this. And, but yet drinking was widely accepted. So fast forward a bunch of years. And of course, rugby has a big drinking culture attached to it and the traditions and, you know, just the, the social aspects. And so these years of playing and then drinking right after. And uh, there was one game where my teammates, you know, everybody, I shouldn't say everybody, but a lot of teams here on the West Coast in the U.S. especially have a group of players who are the ones who go off and smoke, you know, afterwards or maybe even before. And so I joined my teammates. Uh, again, this was, I was still thinking, oh, cannabis is recreational. And so I thought, oh yeah, after this game, oh, I'll have some, you know, I'll smoke a little. And then I felt, you know, I felt the pain relief and I felt the easing and I could feel, um, really, I could feel like inflammation subsiding. I could really, you know, being connected to your body, yeah. I could feel the, the medicine of it. And I was like, oh, wow, this, this is why you guys do this. Like, it's not just, just fun. Mm. And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and so that sort of, I got, you know, it sort of clued me. And I always knew medical marijuana was a thing, but that really um, hit home as firsthand experience. So I slowly got more intentional and um, strategic about how I was using the plant to help my body heal and recover and perform and you know I went through some different life changes where I just decided oh I'm not going to drink anymore because it doesn't give me anything it just takes and um, and so I stopped doing that inflammatory activity and started using cannabis um, especially the night before I was going to compete for good sleep mm -hmm. um, for anti-inflammatory benefits for good appetite stimulation when needed um, just you know 
but and then of course right after competing for pain relief um and you know and then the older i got the more that was like okay training is over i'm gonna get home and sit in the bathtub and have cannabis because i need it it hurts everything hurts yeah it would so did you find um any performance changes obviously there was a few things that happened coinciding that with the alcohol reduced reduction and then increasing the cannabis use but for your performance how because obviously there's a huge stigma around cannabis and where i'm trying to you know get out there and break this stigma is that you're a you're a sloth that lives on the couch if you smoke pot <laughs> well no you're not you're an elite athlete actually <laughs> so tell me a bit about performance as well did, did you notice a difference in that uh yes i would say the years that i've used cannabis have been my top performing years um due to a variety of factors but really because of that therapeutic support that I'm giving myself. Um, I think that made a big difference in terms of being able to keep playing and keep training. Um, Cause that's the hard thing. You not only have to be able to go out and compete, but you have to sustain the pace of training as well. And you're getting, you're not only asking a lot from your body in terms of like, you know, output, which mm -hmm. like strains and all those things, but then there's the collisions and all the contact. And so, um, so there's a lot going on. And as you get older, it's way harder to recover and you just have to work much harder to perform at the same level. And you have to spend much more time sleeping and resting and recovering. So, Absolutely. um, yeah, yeah. 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 So it just became really key in my, um, you know, support for my body. Yeah, absolutely. So, Talk me through, because I want to lead on with um, the injuries that obviously you come across. I can only imagine those. but um, And then how cannabis individually helps those, if you found. Obviously, we can talk about TBIs and things like that too. But, you know, broken legs, that's pretty, pretty intense pain. <laughs> Whew, I've not broken a bone in my body yet. Touch wood, wherever the wood is at the moment. So, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't recommend it, but it does happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, depending on the injury there, I mean, I've used different preparations of cannabis for all kinds of things. Um, anything from like a skin wound, like a deep, like, you know, deep graze, um, I like to put a, a cannabis skin healing salve on that, you know, like clean it as soon as possible and put that on because it has natural antibacterial components. Yeah. Um, I, one year back in like, oh, I don't know, 2007 or something, I actually got MRSA from a deep um, turf wound. We were playing on turf in New York City. It wasn't the cleanest and there were some delays in like leaving the field and you know, long story short, it didn't get cleaned that quickly, but you know, it was really deep. And anyway, I got MRSA. Luckily, they caught it, but um, oh my goodness, you know, I'm really careful, you know. So, even topically, right, there are um, applications for that. Um, but I, you know, I find that um, smoking cannabis is the best for me for acute pain. Yeah, um, it's just it's a traditional consumption method that is reliable. You know, I know how it's going to feel. I know how to self titrate, meaning, you know, find the right uh, dosage or amount that I'm consuming. And, um, 
yeah, it just works, you know, it, it's predictable and consistent. And quick, um, <clears throat> quick yeah, and quick, that's the other thing. Yeah, sometimes you're just really in pain and that doesn't, even if it wasn't a broken bone, you're just, you know, you just hurt from what you just did out there in the field. And so you, um, you need, your body needs a little break in your mind too, because being in pain is very taxing. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. And then for things like something like a broken bone, you know, I'm sure you're familiar um, with the research around CBD promoting um, bone healing and fracture healing, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Um, so obviously I've been reading up on that and um, using accordingly. I love, you know, I love CBD and I supplement with it regularly for the anti-inflammatory benefits. Mm -hmm. um, I like, you know, tinctures and capsules, just something that's kind of long lasting and easy. Yeah. Um, but I do, I do smoke CBD rich flour, um, and use topicals sometimes. Um, it's really just personalized to that particular injury and what it's demanding of me. Yeah, it's, in, it's incredible. And the access that you have over there, and we're talking uh, uh, off, off recording, that we don't, it, you know, it's, it's just not the same here in Australia yet, I would say. Um, so the access that you have and all these wonderful things I see posted everywhere about the hemp bars, the cannabis bars, and you go in and select, and there's this different strain for this and different, you know, here, we're lucky to just get some top quality, whatever it is off the street. <laughs> do you want to hear a funny story about that? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, so I actually, I also play touch rugby in addition to contact rugby. Yeah. And, you know, it's very big in Australia. Mm. And I played in the World Cup in 2015 that was held in um, Coffs Harbor. And one of my teammates, I swear this wasn't me, this really was my friend. Uh, <laughs> he's one of those people who medicates with cannabis daily and multiple times a day. And she'll smoke before a game, she smokes after a game, she smokes, she probably would smoke at halftime if she could. Um, and it is, it is medicine for her and it goes well with her body and her physiology. Um, well, so this was her medicine, but she wasn't going to risk trying to sneak it across the border. So she found herself at this athletic event with no medicine and she went, uh, looking for some and was in a supermarket with her partner who also, um, he played on the men's team. And so they were like, huh, how can we find somebody and so then they said they, they were in the supermarket and they saw these uh, what, hippies, they described them as, in the candy aisle, sort of staring at all the candy. And they were like, yeah, they'll, they'll know. And so they were like, like, hey, hey, you know, can you guys like hook us up? Do you know, you know? And she said they were like, because it's such a big deal over there, you know, it's treated, we're like, it's so weird to us, you know, especially on the West Coast. Oh. That cannabis is treated as like a, at, at like it's meth or something, you know? Um, like, you know, we, and, you know, people who spend time in jail. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's an absolute travesty. Um, but so, so these hippies were, were like, mm, they were sort of skeptical, but then they were like, you know, they were, then they were like, well, if you buy us this candy, we'll like hook you up. And they're like, okay. So they, they get all this candy and they go out to the parking lot and they see it like across the parking lot kind of by itself. There's like this hippie van, like a, I don't know, Volkswagen type, like camper, like a beat up, like scruffy hippie looking. Yeah. And they are just, they all are all just start walking towards it and they get up to it and they're kind of like waiting for each other. And then 
And they're like, are, well, should we like get in your van? And the hippies were like, oh, we thought this was your van. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So, I mean, just kind of a side story, but that it was in Australia and it was really funny. And long story short, they ended up getting a little bit of, of the herb that they needed, a very little bit, um, and had a, a nice, funny story to tell about it. But probably would have noticed the difference in um, how that made them feel too, because a lot of the strains that we get are purposefully grown in the you know illicit drug market to be high in THC versus CBD. So you get a lot, a lot of a different feel from it. So probably had a little bit more fun on the field. <coughs> she uses a lot of the higher THC as well. Uh, I, yeah, I, I may have received the end of that uh, when she, she flew out before I did and, and wasn't going to take anything with her. So yeah, so you, you got to try it firsthand. <laughs> I did, I did. But you know, I really just again highlighting the the fact that that somebody shouldn't have to do that to get their medicine. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely not. I totally agree with you. And from from the stories I hear nonstop of people and the success stories of their healing through cannabis in multiple forms, in multiple ways, um, you know, it really it really requires us to have the technologies and the ability to have access to top quality and to know where those strains lie. So, you know, like you've spoken to Len too, and so we've done, I've done the endocannabinoid testing for the DNA, and it's incredible how you can get that, and it's, it's so science-based, and if only everyone could see that test, then they would be like, oh my goodness, it's not an illicit drug. It's not, there's no stigma behind this. It's actually for these purposes, and it's been well-documented and well-researched. So it's like, how can we not see that? It's just, it's, it's really frustrating. But there is just so much potential for healing with this amazing medicine, and, but it needs to be treated with respect like anything. It needs to be treated in the right way and for the right purpose, and then it will definitely be doing no harm. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm blown away all the time when I hear stories about people, and in your case particularly, that you've just taken a stand and jumped out there and gone, look, this, this needs to be shouted from the rooftops, and we need to be able to, to provide athletes with this because it's the best form versus, um, you know, the, the pharmaceutical forms, unfortunately. So... Tell me now a little bit about your, your dive into advocacy. And um, so you've got um, your East Fork cultivars. And so that's for athletes care. And you also, you also do cannabis education or cannabis class as well. So talk to me a little bit about all of that. Yeah, yeah. So there, I have a few things going on, but yes, cultivars <laughs> um, is is who I do education for. So that's my that's my main job. And that this this actually this background, this beautiful farm is East Fork cultivars in Southern Oregon. This is our hemp uh, field, and so East Fork grows. East Fork has a mission around CBD, and so grows craft hemp, um, organic. You know, not for fiber, but for the resin and with all the goodies in it. Mm -hmm. um, so therapeutic uh, um, organic hemp and then also we grow craft hemp um, high CBD uh, organic hemp and then also cannabis that is bred specifically to have different ratios of CBD and THC to give people a lot of different therapeutic options mm -hmm. um, so I just uh, sort of 
sort of was lucky enough to have this opportunity. I had been um, working and doing some consulting for another grower and these forks kind of stole me away to do this, to create this education program for them, which gave me the opportunity to really delve into the research um, beyond what I'd already been doing from my own interest. Um, so we created a webinar called CBD Certified. Uh, it used to be in person, but we do webinars now. And um, Cannabis Class is the wider uh, program. We're just offering free cannabis science education for anyone who's interested to sort of inform and empower their health choices. Um, then I also am an ambassador for Athletes for Care, which is a nonprofit um, of mostly retired uh, professional athletes who are advocating for, you know, cannabis rights for athletes, really just for empowerment of our health and wellness um, and, and breaking that unscientific stigma against this particular form of medicine. Yeah, yeah. And um, Evan Britton, is he on Athletes for Care as well? Do you have anything to do with Evan? Because he's fantastic on his advocacy as well. Yes, Eben is one of the co-founders, I believe, and um, we've had the chance to be on um, some panels together before, and he he is wonderful. Yeah, he's he's doing wonderful as well. So it's so cool. So how 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 do you find time for this between training and playing and then educating and advocacy, all this sort of stuff? Like, is it does it feel like is it all just really flowing nicely? Um. Well, COVID has really shaken things up, um, you know, canceled a lot of our, our season for over a year. But um, prior to that, it really was juggling, juggling a lot. And I think I am one of those people who, who really likes to stay busy, thrives <laughs> um, that way. But, you know, it does involve some trade-offs, um, like maybe less of a personal life or social life sometimes, yeah. uh, you know, because you're getting up early in the morning to train, to lift and, or, or sprint or whatnot, and then working, and then you have training with the team, and then you need to sleep. And, um, and then, you know, with, with my role, I have, in the past, I traveled more. Yeah. Um, again, COVID's shaking things up, but yeah. Yeah. um. But, you know, it is something that, like, I feel lucky. I love um, working with East Fork. We have, you know, I've been able to have flexibility in my role and manage it, mm -hmm. um, you know, manage my schedule and uh, get get the job done. And so. Which is all on your own sort of schedule, which means that you can also be creative in that and you don't feel like you've got pressure, I would imagine. Absolutely. And. Uh, you know, like so many things, I think athletes are used to scheduling our lives around um, our, our seasons, you know, our, our weddings, our divorces, everything. Everything <laughs> in life, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, so um, a, a lot of juggling. Um, and then since it's COVID sort of disrupted things, it definitely... Um, has brought changes, you know, a lot of less, less travel. And I actually moved to the island of Hawaii um, a few months back. So I am, uh, <laughs> uh, 
but just quietly, I have a, I have a foot in the door of retirement now because there isn't, I did go back to Oregon to play in this um, summer sevens league that popped up. Uh, that didn't end how I planned or hoped that it would with the, mm. the broken wrists. So, um, you know, I turned 40 this year and the kids keep getting faster and better. And I, you know, I think it really is uh, probably time that I uh, call it a day, but I haven't officially announced that. So <laughs> just quietly, um, it feels like it's moving that direction. I might still play for fun sometimes, but you know, where I live now, there isn't a league like that. And you can't commute from Hawaii to the mainland for, you know, for practice or even just games. So absolutely. Absolutely. Life. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a nice little bridge into the cannabis side of things and you can then obviously focus on that and that is a big passion of yours by the sounds of it. So it's, it's something that will drive you um, even more now, which is fantastic. So I want to ask what for you really makes your, obviously your recovery. So what's, what's the, the biggest thing that you value in your life for keeping you on track? So whether it's, you know, even, you know, meditation or taking time out for yourself, what would you say, it could even be cannabis, that really gets you on track? This might not be a surprise, but it's exercise. Yeah. And for me specifically, it has to be intense exercise. Yeah. It's me um, in the flow of life, the way, just feeling good physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. Um, and rugby's been a big part of that. So Absolutely. Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, I've done other sports and dabbled here and there. And so I, I, I have ideas about how to replace it, so to speak. Nothing will replace it exactly. But yeah. um, for me, exercise is also kind of a moving meditation where I am able to get into a flow state and, you know, time drops away and I'm, I'm striving, but I'm very alive and I'm, I'm focused, but I'm open. And, um, and then afterwards I feel really good and mm -hmm. it just keeps me like, it keeps the machine oiled in a way. I totally agree. <laughs> I'm much the same, but I, I, I don't do the intensity that you do. Not, not close to. <laughs> so being on the, being in Hawaii, what are your options for exercise? I'm fascinated. Well, I had a pretty good thing going before breaking this where I was swimming every single day, no matter the weather. Um, even when the waves were big, I kind of got out there and I have my favorite beach nearby that I go and I just swim back and forth. You know, I have a little, the lifeguards know me. <laughs> um, awesome. Just a little, yeah, that's, and that's my meditation. And it's, it, every day, it just feels like no matter what challenges the day has brought, it just sort of washes me clean and I feel good afterwards. Um, and so that's exercise, but it's also very relaxing. Mm. Um, and typically my schedule has been like, I would go to the gym beforehand and work out and then I'd go to the beach and wash it all away and relax. Um, I'm hoping to get a waterproof cast uh, soon so that I can <laughs> sort of resume uh, some of that, at least getting in the water, but yeah. Um, I also love yoga. You know, I think that mm -hmm. yoga is, is amazing. Um, yeah. Physically, it's, it's spiritually. 
yin and yang. You've got the intensity and you've got the calm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I'll go for a run sometimes just to, a lot of times to be outside and, and working out, you know, just kind of for enjoyment, even mm -hmm. though it, running is painful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, hiking, hiking is great, just being in nature and, you know, if you, you can just find your ways to push yourself doing all these things. Um, so it helps dramatically for people getting through, getting through injuries, getting through sicknesses, illnesses, if you can actually get outside and move. I, I see huge differences from one week to the next with clients who just make those commitments. So it really does. I'm, I'm, I stand by that for sure. Um, so I, I wanted to ask now, um, obviously we've dived into, you know, what you use the cannabis for personally, you use it in what way, in what form, but what, so what do you love most about cannabis and how do you think it should be directed in the next sort of 10 years and how do we need to be able to change people's minds about it? You know, so just sort of some lasting thoughts on those. Yes, absolutely. So a couple of things that I love most about cannabis first is that physically it, um, it is such an excellent muscle relaxant and it gives me relief in um, ways that I've never, I cannot find with any other um, medicines, including everything I've ever been prescribed. And so I actually, I have a herniated disc in my low back and some bulging discs above that. Um, and so it can, Ouch. yeah. So having, having that back injury and having those spasms, um, cannabis has given me relief, like nothing else, including all of the prescriptions and without, without those bad side effects that they, that they have, that I've experienced with them. Mm. Um, so, so it's powerful, but it's gentle to my body. Yeah. And then mentally speaking, what I love is that it has the ability to shift my perspective and let me see from a different viewpoint, um, that can be very helpful you know, to really just, um, like there are so many, I, I feel like, um, when you think about the process of healing, mm. that's, that's often part of it is being able to experience a different viewpoint. Yeah. Um, and so, so it's very, whether that's just, um, taking a break from pain or, you know, feeling it lift up off you for a little bit, uh, or sometimes um, getting insights, just because again, your perspective sort of opens up and, and you're looking from a different point of view. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think that the mental journey that cannabis can offer is important too. I think it's, um, it can be a very therapeutic part of the plant for, for a lot of people. Yeah. Absolutely. I totally agree. It can be the difference and I shouldn't be saying this because, but you know, a lot of people notice about me already, but I'll have microdoses of it, you know, and we, we vape it at home. And for me, I've got two younger kids and it can be the difference between me feeling like I'm going to scream the house down versus having fun with them and seeing it from their perspective. So in so many different ways of our lives, it can change the perspective and just that's what we need, that shift and to think, and then you remember that next time, even if you're not having it or taking it, you actually remember that different perspective shift. 
and it can make a huge difference. Yeah. I totally agree. Mm. Mm. So then what do you think and how, how do you think cannabis is going? Obviously that we're in different sort of um, parallels. We're in very different here in Australia versus the U S and even Europe. Um, how do we think that it's going and how do you think that where, 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 where should people be thinking about cannabis? Well, it's interesting because the U.S. drives so much of drug policy worldwide. And mm -hmm. it's the U.S. fault that cannabis has been so demonized and criminalized. Um, I think it's important for us to destigmatize socially, even as we fight for legal rights, to, to educate people to the fact that they've been lied to about this plant. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's a fact that the U.S. government in particular created anti-drug propaganda about cannabis that never had a scientific basis or factual basis. Yeah. You know, they just, um, it was politically convenient for them to criminalize the plant and demonize certain groups of people. And so they did, and they created a misinformation campaign to back that up. And so that's left this deep um, mark on generations of people who you know, especially older folks, they have a lot of aches and pains and they could really be benefiting from this medicinal herb, you know, but they, they feel like, oh no, that's drugs. Like, oh, only mm -hmm. drug you do that. That same sort of mm -hmm. message. So um, I do think we're going to see more countries and states um, legalizing or decriminalizing. It's already been moving that way across the world and even within the U.S., um, most people think we'll have some form of federal legalization or decriminalization here in the U.S. within five years or so. Um, we'll see how it plays out because these things always take way too long. But I find it so terrible that, that the U.S. started this problem of criminalization and yet, you know, other people are going to wait until well after we change and for that. So I think that might be kind of where Australia is. And New Zealand as well, you know, um, your countries are ahead of the U.S. In, in some areas and then certain ones are more conservative, which, you know, um, yeah. this would fall into, I guess, it's conservative in terms of, um, you know, readiness for change. Exactly. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, uh, but I do see it opening up and I, I think as there is more and more research published and it gets more attention and we continue to normalize and destigmatize and educate people mm. that this is this is therapeutic um, and here are the ways that it could potentially you know improve your life and your health yeah um, and as an alternative for something that you have no other option than the medical drugs or than the pharmaceutical drugs that cause other side effects and and that's where i i love that this medicine it really has no side effects really <laughs> like maybe a small amount of short-term memory loss but that's only if you consistently take it every single day and never have a break and that's short-term it's not even permanent change <laughs> yeah you know yeah. the other risk factor is really only schizophrenia and that you can test for that now you know the endocannon dna it's like you can you can test all of that if you're going to be susceptible and then you're just careful with the high thc strains it's so so easy then yes and as you pointed out earlier too the source of the plant really matters and how it was grown and cultivated so legalizing or decriminalizing allows the plant to come into the light and then you can have testing and labs and make sure there's no pesticides or 
other things on there and make sure that you're getting good, pure medicine. Absolutely. So there's really so many benefits to, to continuing to push forward with, with activism and. Mm, absolutely. The, the quality and um, yeah, so the, the organic growing and something that really fascinated me when I was researching cannabis is that they, it's, it's a, it's a plant that takes on all the toxins from the, the soil. <laughs> yeah. It's a cleaner. It's a, it's a cleaner of our earth which is so incredible in so many ways. And then it gives us these beautiful medicines. But if we're growing it in soils that are laced with pesticides and chemicals, then we have to be super careful. And that's really something that, particularly for this medicine, because of the plant it is, uh, we have to be really, really careful. And that can then add on to when we're smoking it, it's, it's more of a direct route into our body, straight into our bloodstream. So yeah, and by taking away this stigma, by taking away that, that control, it means that we're going to be able to actually be able to um, put through those different manufacturing practices, which is what we need. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Because the medical patients are still going to seek this plant out and find it yeah. and use it. And if they're getting some sketchy something in a baggie from who knows where and, and, and that money is a lot of times, you know, going back to gangs or whatever criminal enterprises are, you know, not that everyone who grows cannabis is a criminal. That's not what I'm saying, but that, mm -hmm. that criminals sometimes grow cannabis because um, there's profit found because it is illegal. Right. So yeah. um, you take those um, elements out of it and allow it to be uh, medicine. Yeah, absolutely. And while you were talking, I was thinking, you know, again, a way of, of getting it into um, a little bit, obviously, less of the stigma and actually educating the, the, the younger generations that are coming through. And, you know, I say this with a little bit of, you know, because I'm in Australia, you're in the US and <laughs> get in trouble for this. But, um, you know, it's about education from a younger level. So it's about creating and not, not pulling the stigma from, you know, from the, at the younger level. So even for my nine-year-old, if he were, you know, he asked me, you know, what's this, what's that? Well, this is that, this is a magic medicinal plant. You got to take it with respect. Much you talk about, you know, mushrooms and psilocybin and all these sorts of things that they were there across cultures, across, you know, hundreds of years, hundreds of thousands of years for us. So why do we have to ignore them now and then stigmatize them to our younger generation? So, you know, teaching them is going to be out of the way that we change the perception of this too because they're going to demand better quality, better, better amounts and, you know, different strains for different purposes. And then they're not going to seek it out from the, you know, the drug dealer down the road. <laughs> right. You're so right. Yeah. And, and I love seeing the way that my, my friends and family members with kids um, navigate that where they they're like oh yeah that's they just say that's medicine you know that's like dad's medicine or yeah whatever like it's pretty low-key it's not this taboo thing that then becomes exciting you know oh, it's just exactly it's just another medicine for me i'm an naturopath so i've got lots of herbs everywhere all the time so they, they just know that's just that's another herbs you know that's just that's another one of mum's herbs <laughs> smells a bit stronger that one it smells a bit odd <laughs> a little bit skunky <laughs> oh, I love it. Um, all right. So, where do we find? Where, where does everyone find you, Anna? And you know, where where do they look? Where do they get access some of your education as well? Because I'm sure everyone here in Australia is going to be just as equally as excited about this. So, yeah, tell us where to find you. Certainly. 
Um, I'm easiest to find on Instagram. My name is Exit Drug um, on there. Uh, and, Run from drugs. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and and so then there's some links to my other. Um, places, but we did for cannabis class. We did just create a new website, cannabisclass.org. So it's pretty new. There's not a ton of blogs yet, but I'm I'm adding little bits onto there, and I'm gonna make some videos for those who like to listen rather than read. Um, so, but yeah, Instagram's a great start. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I appreciate so much that you've given up your time for me today and to have a chat about this. Lovely to meet you. <laughs> oh, I, I'm honored to be on and to, you know, shout out again. I have some dear friends in Australia, so I still feel a connection. And um, yeah, Sweet. just welcome back anytime. I'll swap you. I'll, I'll come over and see you in Hawaii and you can come over to Australia. And I'm on the west side. So actually, we've got family in Sydney. So if you've never been to Perth, Perth is pretty incredible. Too. I've, oh, it, I've heard that. <laughs> I, I'll yeah. have to incredible scenery and bush and yeah down south there's pretty big waves so good good to get the ocean down there yeah wow <laughs> well thank you anna um have a have a lovely rest of your night and um i hope to be in contact very very soon and just watching what you're doing and keeping up to date and then obviously sharing as much as i can of what you're doing too because it really helps for us to get the education out there to, to change changes much quicker Likewise, uh, you know, thank you for the work that you do in, in health. Um, I mean, there's nothing that changes people's lives more, so. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the Revital Health Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Revital Health as well as our website, revitalhealth.com.au, for upcoming podcasts, workshops, and speaking events. Find out about specials happening in the clinic and all the show notes and links mentioned in the podcast. Please remember that this information discussed here is general information and it is not intended to diagnose or treat individuals. Please speak to your healthcare professional before embarking on any new treatments, lifestyle changes, medicines or supplementation to assess your suitability. Have a wonderful day and we'll see you again soon.